Well, welcome to this very happy episode of the Texas Tech edition of the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jackson Moody. It was a beat down in Waco for Texas Tech as a beat Baylor 39-14 in dominating fashion. And I'll tell you what, it wasn't just dominant. It was very balanced. And more than that, it was merciful. Y'all know Baylor kind of has an older fan base. That's mainly who shows up to their games. Not quite a great home atmosphere. I'll tell you what, walking out of the stadium, it was just pretty much all Tex Tech fans at that point, which meant Tex Tech had this game sealed pretty early on. They dominated throughout, and you know what? They let the older fans from Baylor make it home in time for their bedtime, beat the traffic, very nice of Joey McGuire and company, and paid them back for that butt whooping in Lubbock that ended 45-17 last year. This won't quite be a preview of Kansas State. Tomorrow, we will have an episode with Joe Tillery from the email podcast on the heartland college sports network previewing the kansas state game on saturday but just some thoughts on this game against baylor and really what texas tech needs to do if they hope to still have a chance to make it to arlington what they've done differently the past couple weeks and the history of texas tech and kansas state which has not gone well the last 10 meetings for the red raiders so some extremely noticeable things for Tex Tech that has happened in the past few weeks has got to be the tempo, the running the ball. And look, we can go on and on about how Texas Tech has ran, run the ball. Taj Brooks got 31 carries, a career high for him. He had 170 yards, 5.5 average with a touchdown, a long of 24, so very consistent for him. But the thing that jumps out to me is controlling the football. Against Dorian, you didn't have much control of it, but they were a high-tempo team, so, you know, it kind of made sense. Against West Virginia, you had the ball for almost none of the game. Pretty much the same with Wyoming. It was all quick plays, the defense was on the back foot, having to play tired, and you're in a bit of trouble. For the first time, not the first time, but feels like the first time in forever, Texas Tech had the majority of possession in this game. They had 30 minutes and 4 seconds. Baylor had 29 minutes and 56 seconds, which you may say, well, not much of a difference there. But this is Zach Hitley's offense. This is an offense that used to like to go air raid. It's switched to a running raid lately. And you're getting a lot, a lot more possession out of this team. I'm just going to go through this the drives, the scoring drives for Texas Tech. First touchdown play, you take over five minutes off the clock. In 11 plays, you go 75 yards. Second touchdown drive, you have over three minutes, seven plays, 58 yards. Um, the next touchdown play, or field goal play, you had a minute-long drive, but you got the ball in four, short field. It was only four plays, so that makes sense. Then you had a 13-play touchdown drive for 85 yards over six minutes off the clock. Another touchdown drive over four minutes off the clock, nine plays. Another touchdown drive, three plays. Uh, that one was in 23 seconds, so that was a quick hitter. But Texas Tech really controlled the ball in this game. They relied on their running backs a lot. And this was evident from the first drive. The first three plays Texas Tech ran against Baylor were all runs with Taj Brooks. You let Baron Morton pass a couple, and then Taj Brooks got a couple runs, 
Cameron Valdez got a couple runs, threw an incompletion, and then Bear Morton completed that back shoulder throw for a touchdown. It is just a complete switch from what we saw against West Virginia, what we saw against Wyoming, where when the offense didn't have it, you're still trying to go fast. You're still trying to go tempo. You're still trying to catch them off guard, which really didn't matter because they knew that you, it didn't matter. It, it just didn't matter. You weren't getting anything going offensively. Going tempo in that spot only slowed down, only made your defense more tired, and I'll tell you what, against Baylor, against Houston, you've been able to catch these teams with tempo when you run it in the right spots. That nice throw on third down from Baron Morton, that back shoulder throw, which we're going to talk a bit about coming up, but man, it just looked like it caught them off guard. You had already run the ball, what, seven plays that drive? You've only thrown it three times? And it was a third and seven, caught them off guard. You got man coverage on the whites on the right side to Koi Eakin, and it just worked out perfectly. And then the second touchdown drive, and this is where the quarterback makes a bit of a difference, and we're going to get into this, and nothing against Tyler Shuck. Baron Morton, he had a pick in this game. Baron Morton is still pretty clearly playing a bit hurt. I mean, that that's pretty obvious. He's not 100%. You saw it after that last touchdown run. He was talking to look like some low-level staffers, but... You can kind of see him saying, I know, I know, I'm moving his right shoulder around. That right shoulder is still bothering Baron Morton, without any doubt. But since taking over in Morgantown, he has seven total touchdowns, six passing, one on the ground, and just one turnover. On the season, he has nine touchdowns and two turnovers. One of those turnovers was one where the receivers was blocking 20 yards downfield. The other one, he underthrew the ball, which you kind of get because we had a play with Jerram Bradley where he was kind of scrambling last week against Houston. Looked like he wanted to throw it, ended up taking the one or two yard run. This one, he just underthrew this ball, and it's pretty obvious that his shoulder's still bothering him. His This bye week coming up is going to do wonders for him giving him 14, or not 14 because you have a Thursday game after that, but about 12, 11 full days of recovery instead of six or seven. That's going to be a big difference for him. And then he gets eight or nine days after that instead of six or seven. But I'll tell you what, the defense has got to be the story of this game. Steve Linton, who had done nothing so far this season, had three sacks in this game. You combined for a total of six sacks on Blake Shape. And I will tell you this. And I'm not sure if this was the one where I said it. Uh, I believe that I said it on the one that didn't have actually go through and I had to re-record it. But I thought there could be some progression from this O-line. I really did. Coming into this, you faced uh, NFL-type talent left tackle. You faced a really experienced O-line in West Virginia, a really good O-line in Wyoming, a really good O-line in Oregon, and you're coming into a bad defense. I did not expect the dams to break like this. I thought you would see some progression, but you didn't just see progression. You saw the dams absolutely break. Miles Cole even got half a sack with Josiah Pierre. Charles Esthers, by the way, a guy who we have not talked about much at all. 
Charles Ether, Esters, only a sophomore, gets two sacks in this game. Steve Linton finally breaks out, gets three sacks. We saw Dre McCray kind of make something happen last game, or really did make something happen on that kickoff return. He got a couple receptions this game. But Steve Linton had an absolute breakout performance for him. Three sacks. It was his only three tackles of the game, but absolutely massive for Texas Tech. There was a strip sack on Blake Shapin. He was getting in on second downs, third downs, just key moments in this game. Just a dominant performance from Steve Linton. And if you want some positive signs for the future, your tackle leader was redshirt freshman Ben Roberts. You had C.J. Baskerville get six tackles here, who, you know, he's a senior, but or he's a junior, so he still has another year left. He should be here next year. Newcomer to this program. Just a lot of guys. Marion Banks had four tackles, four solo tackles. Guys who you haven't heard of much. The defense was just all over the place. There was one play, really just one. You got burned on the coverages a couple of times. I don't know if this was coverage or whether it was just, I think Rabbit took a bad angle on that one play that led to Baylor's only touchdown. But you had them pinned deep on fourth down, down three possessions, and they were desperate at that point. I'll tell you what, I was in a group chat with people who, you know, it was 14-3 at the time. They're saying, man, the defense has given them everything. The offense has got to come through because it was in the fourth quarter. Still, I, I think 17-3, actually. You had just thrown an interception. You get a turnover on downs where you absolutely stuff them. I mean, fourth and six. I, Baylor could not get anything going on third and fourth down. And you go on a 13-play, over six-minute drive where Taj Brooks carried most of the load, ended up being... Baron Morton Baylor Cup for a second touchdown of the game. Just dominant. But this is the offense we had to see. The defense has not really worried me. When people said uh, they're not like an elite defense, I, I thought, okay, maybe not elite, but they're a darn good defense. I mean, go back to Wyoming, you can't pin that on them. Oregon, they were going up against Bo Nix. There were six possessions where I think they held them to a total of three points. Maybe it was five possessions. West Virginia, you held them to 20 points and you put them in good positions the whole game and your defense had no rest. They controlled the tempo. I mean, of course, of course you will take 20 points off of that if you're going hurry up all game. But the offense has really turned a corner from the last few weeks. And there's a lot of potential here. I think it's only going to get better after Baron Morton gets a couple days off. Two huge games coming up. And obviously you have BYU, which is now a night game, which is going to be tough. They're a team that's already gone on the road, beat Arkansas. They're a tough team. They're a big team. That was one thing concerning me coming into this season. They're a team with a lot of experienced players, a lot of older players who are more physically developed than 19, 20, 21, 22-year-olds. These guys have gone on missions. They have a lot of experienced players on their early line. But coming into this week, the last time you beat Kansas State was 2015 in Lubbock, where you beat them by 15. You need that to get bowl eligibility going into the Texas game. 2016, you were down six, or you're down more than six, but you got a touchdown, got an onside kick, couldn't get the hail mary off, lost by six. 
2017 overtime loss, 42-35 out. 2018, you don't bring the heaters to Manhattan. You only score six points, lose 21 to six. 2019, remember that was my last game <laughs> as a student. You lose 30 to 27. Matt Wells, that's where I wasn't out on Matt Wells at that point, but I was very skeptical because he mismanaged the clock, which is, I mean, come on, what are you doing? Then 2020, you lose by 10. 2021, the game that finally gets Matt Wells fired. The hands to the face on, what was it, third and 26. That ends up getting him fired. And then last year, Deuce Vaughn, Adrian Martinez just had huge plays on you. For the most part, you can contain them. But they just had huge plays. And we're going to have more of a preview of Kansas State tomorrow on this channel. So be be excited to tune in for that. Joe Tillery will give us some insight on Kansas State. And we'll, we'll go through all things about that game. But this is a massive game. This is an elimination game in the Big 12 title race. This is sudden death elimination. It's a wear black game. Not quite a blackout, but pretty much close to it. Still not sure if I'm going to go to this game or not. Eight and a half hour drive. May make the trip. We'll see. But this is absolutely massive. That Texas result spells some very good things for Texas Tech. Very good possibilities. And Texas Tech's going to need to do their part. But if you look at Texas Tech's schedule, you have Kansas State. If you can win this, you have a massive aim against Baylor. Just say you get that one. You'd be sitting at 4-1 and one in the Big 12. You'd have a big game against TCU, who is now without Chandler Morris for the rest of the season. Before you play UCF, who is struggling an 0-3 in Big 12 play, even lost to Baylor at home, which is going to be honest. From what we've seen from the Bears, downright pathetic. And then you have Texas. If you want that game to, against Texas to be a play-in game, OU's probably in good shape. What you should be rooting for right now, if you're a Texas Tech fan, is against West Virginia. It really is. And I know there's no animosity between Tech and West Virginia. But West Virginia, if they drop three of their remaining seven games and they're at Houston, then they play Oklahoma State. They go to UCF, which is going to be a tough one. They play BYU. They go to Oklahoma, which is almost a sure loss. Then they have Cincinnati, then at Baylor. If they lose three games... Texas Tech is in a position where with wins against Kansas and BYU, those are the main ones with one loss left, and Kansas State. But if they get to the bye at 4-1 in the Big 12, they can afford to drop a game to UCF. They can maybe afford to drop it to BYU and still get into a position where they have two losses in conference play and that game against Texas is a play-in to go to the Big 12 championship game. Everything is still on the table for Texas Tech right now. They're going to need some help in the West Virginia department. But West Virginia, honestly, isn't quite a team that I'm 100% sold on at this point in the season. I mean, they win ugly. They're not a bad team at all. But they're going to drop some games down the stretch. I think most of their fans would probably take four and three down the stretch, and that's really all that you need. And most of their fans would probably take that right now without a doubt. 
The Big 12 race is still alive and well for Texas Tech. Especially if you can beat Kansas State. If you don't beat Kansas State, it's almost all over. It's almost all wrapped up. And just some keys for this game. It's going to be stopping a running quarterback. My biggest fear for Texas Tech is facing Avery Johnson. He is a running quarterback from Kansas State. Most Kansas State fans do not think he's going to stay there the full four years. They think he's going to be three years and he's going to be gone to the NFL. Texas Tech has struggled with running quarterbacks. You saw that against Wyoming. Bo Nix burnt you some. They do not do well in that situation. And quite honestly, I don't know if Ben Roberts is ready to be a spy. I don't know if Josiah Pierre, with how much he switched positions, is ready to be a spy right now. I don't know if they have it in them. It is massively important that Will Howard stays healthy in this game for you. Uh, Just being honest, Will Howard being healthy would be probably the best thing for Tex Tech. Will Howard being the unquestioned starter and you seeing him the full game would be the best thing for Tex Tech against Kansas State. And we'll talk more about what they have to do because Tex Tech, they're going to need to stop the run because Kansas State with Giddens, and Walker, they have a really good one-two punch in the run game. We saw Kansas State struggle against Missouri. We saw them struggle against Oklahoma State. And Allen Bowman, by the way, which I will say this about Allen Bowman. I think the only times that Allen Bowman actually can play well is when he is underdogs by about 10 points in Stillwater at night. Because we saw it back in 2019 or 2018 i'm sorry and then we saw it here again against kansas state and i will say it wasn't the best game ever for him it wasn't a world beater game he went 19 of 35 235 no touchdowns no picks 68.5 qbr didn't run in any touchdowns but he took care of the ball did well and that's going to do it for this one i do have one random stat so the Texas Rangers won today, which is nice. So the Rangers are moving on. I'm an Astros fan. I, To be completely honest, I don't have any hatred towards the Rangers. I grew up going to Round Rock Express games, and they were AAA for the Rangers and, and Astros, and they always switched. But this is coming out October 11th, 2023. On October 25th, or October 11th, 2015, the Houston Astros beat, bounced back from a game two loss against an AL Central team in the ALDS, while the Rangers were returning home against an AL East team looking to put the series away already up 2-0. Both teams would lose the series 3-2. They lost five straight between them. So I'm glad the Rangers won today. I hope that means the Astros are going to win tomorrow. It's going to be a complete flip of the switch from eight long years ago. But that's going to do it for this one. We'll have another episode with Joe Tillery of the EMA podcast on the Heartland College Sports Network previewing the massive, massive game against Kansas State coming up this week.